My name is Carol Petritus, and I'm the modern pastoral intern here at Grace Avenue, and I am joined by the Reverend Glenn Hunahan. We are so happy to have him with us today. For those of you that have never been to A Different Door or are joining us online for the first time, A Different Door is a little bit different type of worship service. We don't have your traditional sermon. We do more of a conversation that is between a couple of us. Sometimes Pastor Christopher is up here, sometimes Pastor Laura is up here, but today Glenn and I are going to talk about stories. Um, We are starting a new sermon series called Tell Me a Story. So we thought it would be interesting to discuss stories themselves today. Um, So Glenn, I'm going to start out by asking you to help us understand what is a story, what is a parable, is there a difference between those two, and why did Jesus talk in parables so frequently? Well, that's a wonderful question. <laughs> if, we, if we look at um, stories in general, we talk to each other in stories all the time. It's how we share our life experience. It's how we get to know each other. It's how we learn to have empathy for one another. A parable, on the other hand, has a little more intention to it. A parable is a simple illustration. They're usually relatively short stories. And they usually, um, as a parable, will have a moral or spiritual message that's revealed within the parable. So if we look at, at Jesus in his time, he was one of many teachers, wasn't he, at the, in the first century going around talking. And how was he going to communicate to those uh, that he was called to touch? Well, as we know, he communicated directly with his disciples, and he talked to the crowds. Sometimes after he talked to the crowds in parables, he'd go and he would explain it to his disciples. Because if you, if you weren't in a level of understanding, the parable may or may not have resonated with you. And you may or may not have been able to take the moral or spiritual uh, practice away from it. So he, in teaching, um, did a wonderful job with parables. He left, mm-hmm. he left um, how would I put it, a legacy uh, in those parables. That, those simple illustrations, unlike a lot of words, those simple illustrations are, are timeless. They, they stand forever. Mm-hmm. And only when we begin to understand the context in which he explained them do we fully appreciate what his intention was. But even today, with limited understanding, we can take away a message from it. Uh, it's, it's just amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. It really is. And just speaking to your point about, about Jesus and, and the parables, um, we have a scripture that I want to read. It's out of Matthew chapter 13. It's verses 10 through 16, where we hear Jesus explaining a little bit more about, about why he speaks in parables. So here's what it says. It says, then the, then the disciples came and asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. 
The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, you will indeed listen, but never understand, and you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this, people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they may, might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I tell you, many prophets, prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So, Often, Jesus doesn't just come out and directly answer a question. This was his reply back to the disciples asking, you know, tell us, why do you speak in parables? Glenn, can you help us unpack what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples and us here about about speaking in parables? Yeah, well, I think, you know, as you point out, um, very often uh, he avoids the answer, quite frankly, um, he usually answers with a question, right. or quite often. Um, and the purpose of that is, um, it, it may be manyfold, but in, in one way it is, he's not trying to tell directly the truths or the, the, the practices that he's interested in. He wants people to think. Mm. He wants them to be challenged by his answer. Mm. He wants them to see themselves in the answer, and then with that, with that challenge, then there's a call one would expect, if, if indeed they're, they're a disciple wanting to follow him, that there's some action that comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's where, where we, um, how would I put it, cognate over and over and over on a particular thought that causes us to come to some understanding with the Spirit, and then that causes us actually to go out and do some action. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So we had talked about a little bit earlier in the week when we had met some of our favorite parables, and some of our parables that we think are interesting to interpret and talk about, and one that you and I had both talked about and related to was the Good Samaritan. It's one that is is fairly common, but I'm going to read it now, and then Glenn and I are going to sort of talk through it, um, try to understand what maybe we're meant to see, and knowing the whole time that all of us may see something, something different in this story. So this is out of Luke, um, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here we go. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. So Glenn, let's talk about this. What do we see in the stories through these characters of the priest and the Levite and then eventually the Samaritan? What do you think Jesus is trying to to tell the people and to tell us? Well, I I think... When you try to unpack any parable, um, the first thought with my background and training is to go back to the time in which Jesus actually delivered or assuming he delivered this particular parable and put it in the context of the time. What would a first century Jewish person have heard when Jesus Mm. made this illustration to them? Mm -hmm. And so... Let's start from the very beginning, and then we'll see maybe as we go through it where we fit in the story, potentially, or maybe what the outcome, we hear what the outcome is. Jesus tells us the outcome, it's mercy, go do it. But let's understand it more. In fact, if we begin right away, we begin with a lawyer, don't we? Well, what it, you know, I don't want to demean lawyers because, um, you know, <laughs> lawyers are very good and important people, but they come with a perspective, a vision, a lens on life. And what does the lawyer first say to Jesus? He says, teacher, one could, if you're in the time frame, that may or may not be a very positive mm-hmm. way to address the Lord if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you would say, Lord Jesus, right? Not teacher. So right away we see, Mm -hmm. and I think the parable begins that way, Mm -hmm. maybe there's a little bit of an interesting thing going on in the background Mm -hmm. that we have to first of all start with. So if we look at that, we then say, okay, what what does the the lawyer say? Well, the lawyer challenges Jesus, how, you know, what, how do, how do I get um, everlasting life, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Eternal life. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus does what Jesus does. Well, what do you think it means? Mm -hmm. What, how do you think you get there? What is, what is it that scripture, what do you know? You're a learned man. Tell me what that is. Well, he cites out of the uh, Hebrew scriptures that, uh, you know, we're to love God with our, all our heart, our, our soul, and our mind, right? And our strength. And we are to love our neighbor. Jesus goes, okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, he's stated facts. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what he's doing, but he's stated the facts. So we understand... So J- Jesus then responds to him. What, does, what do you think all that means? What are you going to do there? What does it mean? And he says back to him, he says, well, help me with what, who's the neighbor? Mm-hmm. Who's the neighbor? Well, that's getting down now to the, to, 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 the, to the essence of maybe what we're going to hear in the rest of the parable. So what does he say in the rest of the parable? He says, he goes on, you know, a man. We don't know who. Um, is hurt, right? 
Well, where is he heard? He's, he's heard on the, on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, which we already know, if you're a first century Jew, that that's not a real nice place to be. It's not a healthy place. It's a, it's a really crime-ridden, potentially difficult place. So we already know that there's some issues there, but we also hear that now there's a priest going by and it's one of three, typical. We hear that a lot in Jesus' parables, three things. First one is a priest. Second one is a Levite. Neither one addressed the issue of the man that's been robbed and stripped and hurt, right? Why is that? If you're a first century Jew and you hear that, there's lots of reasons. There's, there's multiple interpretations. If you go into the writings of people that have researched this for centuries, you'll, you realize that, that there can be a lot of meanings there. But to the first century Jew, they would have heard priest, descendant, descendant of, of Aaron. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then they'd have heard Levite. Oh, another descendant of Levi, son of, of mm-hmm. Jacob. Okay? So those are inherited positions, right? They're inherited. They're not called positions at that point. You hear in other scriptures, you hear great or good priest. Maybe those are more called active priests, okay? So why is it that they went by? The Jewish laws say that you should, no matter what, some people say purity laws, right? Samarian uh, uh, Samaritans and who was down there, you know, maybe they're not the, the best people in the world. Maybe we shouldn't go over there. They're maybe unclean, those kinds of thinking. I don't know that that's the, 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 the crux, but then again, what do I know? <laughs> it's for each of us to struggle with. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is we, we look at those two. Could it potentially be, and I've, 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 I've heard it writ, or uh, read it uh, in, in different commentaries that could it be not unlike ourselves in that situation, could those two have been afraid, literally afraid to go down there, mm-hmm. understanding that context? Mm-hmm. It could be. Well, then who's the third one? You know, it's, it's in, in, it, Jesus always flips things around on us. He always astounds us in his parables. He starts with the priest, then he goes to the Levite. The first century Jew would be thinking, okay, those are descendants then would be, next would be the, 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 the whole family of Israel, an Israelite. Well, he flips it, doesn't he? It's the great reversal, he, as, as it's called uh, in the vernacular of, of, of theology. What he ends up saying is he, he brings out the most unusual person. It's like you and I thinking today, um, if I said to you the couplet, red, white, what would your answer be? It would be blue. blue. Mm-hmm. Their answer might have been Israelite. But what does he do? He says it's a Samaritan. Oh my goodness. What are Samaritans back in that day? Well, they weren't the most liked people amongst uh, the Jews of the day. In fact, if, if one goes, one might get a little bit more insight to then just saying, well, maybe they're the unclean or they, they were living in the, the northern part of Israel and they, they were intermarried and believed different things. But if one goes to Second Deuteronomy chapter 28, there's some chapter in there about a prophecy from the prophet Odom and what, Odad, excuse me. And what he says is now the, the Samaritan army has 
attacked the southern part of the kingdom and taken prisoners. And he comes in and he says, you know, you need not do that. You need not kill and, per and, and, and plunder them. What you need to do is you need to show compassion and mercy and you need to send them back. Some of the Samaritans did such. Generally, we might think of that as the enemy, right? Mm. The enemy. Now the enemy's done good. And we've heard stories about that on Christmas and World War, in the, in the World Wars, how they got out of trenches and did things together and then went back to fight one another. Lots going on in this parable, awful lot going on. Now, what ends up happening? We hear, we, we hear that the Samaritan now, much like in, in 2 Deuteronomy 28, we see the Samaritan has, I'd like to think it's about compassion. Hmm as well as mercy. And there's a little difference there because mercy is that forgiveness to go and doing something to, to help somebody, the active mercy, forgiveness, you're doing something. But compassion is a couplet of both emotion and doing something. So could it be, could it be that it's not just mercy, but it's mercy and mm -hmm. compassion? Mm -hmm or both, or one, or the other. Jesus tells us it's mercy because that's what, he, that's what the lawyer answered. But remember, he's more, the lawyer comes at this with more of a factual understanding. Would it make sense that he wouldn't have emotion? I don't know. Mm. One needs to ponder that. One needs to ponder that. And we can go on further through the, through the uh, parable. And, you know, we find that he not only has compassion, he goes, he helps, he, he, he spends money to, uh, to protect him, he trusts the innkeeper. And there's, there's lots of other pieces that uh, show the active part of the struggle. The call to moral or spiritual understanding and then the action that follows. Mm -hmm. How's that? Yeah, I think that that's great. And I think, you know, we're talking about this parable in the context of ancient times, putting it where um, it was said and understanding what was going on in that time. But then we have this opportunity now as we read parables to bring it into modern day mm -hmm. and to have a moment and ask ourselves, what can I take from this? Mm -hmm. And as I'm reading this parable and, and thinking through the story, I'm, I'm placing myself in the story. Who am I? Am I the priest that just walks on by because I have a million things going on and I see someone suffering, but I have my to-do list and I just don't have time for that? Or who am I? Am I the person that is suffering, that is watching people walk by and wonder, why aren't you helping me? Who is the Samaritan in our modern day? Mm -hmm. Who's the equivalent? And so I would be interested, as I'm thinking through this, where I see myself in the story, where you might place yourself in the story, or how you might bring it into a modern application for those of us that are reading us in the here and now. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I've just recently read something um, that characterizes this in the modern day. And I, and I think it will drive the point deeply home. The first person in the story 
today could very well be a medic from the Israel Defense Force. Mm. The second person walking by could be a Christian missionary. And the third person, the Samaritan in the story, could be a Muslim associated with Hamas. But even though we might not believe it, the core of our humanity, our call here is to love our neighbor. Mm. Imagine the hurt person on the side of the road accepting help from a Hamas-associated Muslim. Mm. Maybe the takeaway is, as it was explained in, in what, I, what I happened to peruse recently, is that maybe it's our enemy, and maybe it is only our enemy that could kill us that saves us. So what is today? Who are our neighbors? Who are our neighbors? And what are we called, how are we called um, in this day and age to provide mercy Mm. or compassion to those around us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think as we move through this sermon series, there are going to be stories that will be presented both here in Modern and in the sanctuary that are call stories. They're, They're stories of people that heard a call from God and felt a call from God and then did something next. And I think what's interesting about this story is that there is a call that I feel like is universal to all of us, which is to love our neighbors and to work to make this world a kinder, gentler, more grace-filled place, no matter who we are. And I think that is the important thing about this sermon series and why I'm so excited for the stories that are to come, because we are going to learn from these stories We're going to connect to them, and then our own imaginations are going to be ignited to see where our place is in the grander story. So, Glenn, I'm so, so appreciative of you being here and talking to us and talking through these parables. Is there anything else that you want to give us as a final thought? When I opened, I said stories are a way of helping us connect, and I used the word to have empathy. It's a shared journey. Parables help us to have a shared journey Mm -hmm. with, with, uh, with God, with Jesus and with each other. And for that, um, spend time thinking them through and see where you are in that parable. Mm -hmm. Spend time listening to the stories of others because it's through those stories that empathy will build and friendships and love are created and fear subsides, Mm. fear of the unknown. Mm. It enables us to love our neighbor.